Lord. We thank you that your word never returns to you void. Hmm. God, we thank you that the word of God, you said, is my word not like fire that burns up everything that is not of God in our lives. And you said, it's my word not like a hammer that breaks even the most resistant stone. Lord, as we listen to your word today, as you speak to every one of us, break what needs to be broken, burn what needs to be burnt. Hide me behind the cross this morning. Father, you gave me this word because you told me there are people here that have started calling themselves what I don't call them. So help us to change our names today. Help us to begin to call ourselves what you call us. To the glory of your name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Don't forget every Monday we have prayer. Every Monday we fast. And then every day at 6 a.m. we have prayer going on here. So even if you just stop by briefly at 6 a.m., please be here for prayer every day. So today, the question God has for you is what is up there? What have you been calling yourself lately? What name have you been calling yourself lately? Jeremiah chapter 1 verses 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before, before, before. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before. Before I formed you, before you were even created, I knew you. There was a relationship between you and God before you were even created. God knew you before, think about it, before you even existed. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. I called some things into your life. I cleaned you up and I set you apart. And then he said, I ordained you. I spoke some things into your life. That's before you were born. That's before you were created. He said, when I did that, I called you something. He said, Jeremiah, I called you a prophet. That's the name I gave to you. What name did God give to you? Have you found it? And what are you calling yourself? Are you calling yourself the name God gave to you? Or have you acquired another name because of what's going on around you? Because of where you were born? Because of what labels have been put on you? What have you been calling yourself lately? First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen generation. God chose you. Remember, I said one time, everybody was laughing, but let me remind you. When your father and your mother met, there were millions of cells that went into your mother. And there was a race going on. As to who to be one, that one, only one. In some cases, maybe two. But 80% of the time, it's just that one. You were the one that God chose out of those million cells that were shot into your mom. And you made it, you survived, and you are here. 
He says you were chosen. He says you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You as a person in you is a nation. You see how we put ourselves down to what the enemy calls us. God calls you a person. He says you, you are a nation. You have a nation inside of you. Are you blessing that nation? He says his own special people. Special. You're special to God. And the reason he made all of that possible is that you proclaim the praises of him. Who has called you again. That's the same word again. Called, called, called. And remember he called you even before you were formed in your mother's womb. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 to 27. It says, but you see, you're calling brethren. (laughs) That call that he has on your life. This is, where we, this is it right here. This is where we all miss it. Me included. It says, That calling my brethren, not that many, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But remember now, it's according to the flesh. So in the flesh, you might look weak. In the flesh, you might look ordinary. But it's only in the flesh. In the spirit, it is different. In the spirit, you are noble. You are a priest. You are a holy nation. You are special. You are chosen. You are called out in the spirit. But do we focus on that? It says God has chosen the seemingly foolish things of the world to put the shame, to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things. And you know what? I look through the Bible and I'm so thankful that everyone I see, I read about, they are the seemingly weak ones. They are the seemingly foolish ones that God takes and God uses them to confound the wise. Those that people don't put anything to. Those that people have written off. Those that people say don't amount to anything. God uses them. When God came, he didn't come as a king with soldiers, with an army. He chose to come as a baby, born in a manger with stinking dung, so that we all could relate to him. What are you calling yourself this morning? What name are you calling yourself? Weak? When God says you are strong? Are you calling yourself sick? When God says your name is healed? Are you calling yourself stressed and under? When God calls you victorious and a conqueror? What name have you been calling yourself? I was in my, last week I told you I had the, I had the weak from hell. And you know, it's very easy to just sit down and instead of praying, you're having a complaining session with the Lord. And you're just having that self-pity. Ah, if I had a husband now, I would know what he can do. I never used to do this. I never used to do that. That thing that, you know how to... Guys, sometimes I want to just take that thing in my house. You know that battery when they, they... 
smoke detector. They all decide to go off at the same time. Right? That thing is from hell. And you're trying to sleep, and when you're just about to sleep, you wake up again, and then you look. That thing is so high up there. And then you now, okay, I'm going to pray. But you find out the next 30 minutes, all you're doing is having a spirit party and complaining party with the Lord, right? And that's when God told me, says, "Uh uh-huh. Tell me, keep telling me what, keep giving yourself names. Keep, 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 yeah, keep it going. Because the more you call yourselves those names, lonely. Look at me now. This is not what we discussed, Lord. This is not what we said. This is not, this is so far from, okay, keep going. And you just spiral down, spiral down. And God said, what have you been calling yourself? Is that what I called you? And that's the same question to you now. Is your identity tied to your bank account? Is your identity tied to whether you're married or single? Is your identity tied to your weight, your scale? When you talk about you, what do you talk about? That's where the rubber hits the road. Because the truth is, how far you go in life and how much you achieve in life is tied to what you call yourself. You cannot rise above the name you've given yourself. You cannot. It's just not possible. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So it's very hard for us to see ourselves the way God sees us. But that's what God wants us to do. We need to start talking, right? We need to know who we are. Troubles come, troubles go. And we're going to see a man in the Bible, Gideon. That's where I'm going to. If I get there today, if not, next week we'll continue. I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. The good thing is God is not confused. We are confused most of the time. It's like when that pressure comes, before you know it, you said something that you shouldn't be saying. And the more you say it, what you say is what is going to come to pass. So the question today is, what do you need to know about yourself so that you can begin to say what God says about you? What are the things? The first thing is you must know why you were even born. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why, why are you here? Why? Have you ever asked, Lord, what is my life all about? What is my existence all about? Are you just, you wake up every morning, you go to work, or you do whatever you want to do, then you eat, then you go to bed, and then the next day you do it all over again? We need to take thought about that, because once you discover why you are here, it makes a lot of difference about the things you tell yourself. Because once you discover that, even when you stray, that voice... You remember, you, all of us have that voice that says it, 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 it should be more than this. 
We all have that somewhere at the back of our head that refuses to let us to settle, that says, no, there is more to me than this. I should be doing more than this. That eternal spirit, that thing inside of you that just keeps pushing you and you're wondering, stop, but no, you don't see anybody, but that's the voice of God. Because the picture God has for you, God never speaks to us about where we are. God never comes to you and says this here, where you are. God always tells you about where he wants you to go. And so God knows who you are. Guess what? All the attacks you're having, all the hell you're going through, you know why? The devil also knows. But who doesn't know? We don't know. Jeremiah chapter 1, that's the same scripture. It says, before... I formed you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And I ordained you. I ordained you. I spoke something into you. And I said, this is who you are. Jeremiah, you are a prophet. Angela, you are a preacher. Angela, you are going to be walking in the healthcare field. Angela, you are going to lead souls to the Lord. So whatever is happening now, that's not what I called you. What did God call you? Have you taken the time to find out? What drives you? What lights your fire? Have you found out? Because until you find out, you're going to be calling yourself something else. Gideon called himself a farmer. We'll get to that when God called him a warrior. So when God came and said, oh, mighty man of valor, he was looking for who God was talking about. Has God come looking for you? Adam, where are you? You're hiding somewhere. Will God find you where he's called you? You all are mighty quiet this morning. John chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. John now, they told John, they said to him, Who are you? Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? The same question God is asking you this morning. Look at the answer of John. He said, I am. What? The voice. He knew exactly what he was. He didn't think twice. He says, I'm the voice, I'm the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the paths of the Lord. He knew his job, he knew his assignment was to come and announce Jesus. He knew that. He wasn't confused about that. John chapter 18 verse 37. Pilate said to Jesus, so you are a king? Jesus responded, you say I'm a king. Actually... Let me maybe correct you and add to it. I was born and came into this world to testify to the truth. He knew exactly what he came to do. So do we know? Do you know? Do you know your giftings? Do you know your strengths? What do you love to do? What are the gifts that come natural to you? Why am I saying all of this? So that you know what to call yourself. That's, that's the whole idea behind this message. What are your tendencies? What are your positive traits? What are you strong in? Because I'm telling you, time goes by fast. 
And before you know it, it's going to be, oh, I'm too old to do this. So, I'm, you know. Now it's never too late to say, okay, what is it really? What am I here for? What are you here for? What am I here for? First Samuel chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. One of the servants said to Saul, when Saul was taken over by uh, an evil spirit, and they said they need somebody to play music to calm him down. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Everybody knew the gifts David had. So when they were looking for someone to play music for Saul, to help his mind, guess who? Everybody immediately. Not only that, he's a brave warrior, he's a man of war, and he has good judgment. He's also a fine-looking young, young man, and the Lord is with him. Everybody knew what traits and tendencies and strengths David had. Then know your weaknesses as well. If you know your strengths and you know your weaknesses, then you know the things to build on and the things to tear down. Esau, what was his weakness? He liked food too much. And because of food, he sold his birthright. Sold his whole destiny to, because of food. He couldn't fast. He couldn't, he couldn't t- go without food. That was his weakness. Judas, what was his weakness? It was money. He couldn't, he couldn't help but steal. And how did, how did he end? His weakness took over his life. He now called himself what God didn't call him. And he ended up killing himself because of a weakness that he had. Who are you to sell the God of of heaven and earth? Samson, what was his weakness? Women. He couldn't stay away from women. And that's what ended ended his life. All he could have done for the Lord had his eyes taken out. Spiritually, he couldn't see. Physically, he couldn't see. So what is your weakness? If you like to drink alcohol, if that's your weakness, don't go get a job in a, in a liquor store. If money is your weakness, then don't take a job where they count money. What are your weaknesses? Then know who you are in Christ. That is so important. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know what God calls you, anybody can come and call you whatever. I'm sure most of you have seen it on TV now. They'll say, uh, is it him? How they? How do they say that? The, how do they say it? It's a pronoun, right? So it's they and them. There's no he or she anymore. Can somebody come and tell you you are they or them now? Right? Will somebody come and tell you, you, are, you know what, you are them and they? But people are falling for that because they don't know what to call themselves. A woman is not them and they. A man is not them and they. And guess what? It's coming into the church. It's coming into the church. Everything that's out there is beginning to creep into the church and we need to nip it at the bud we need to nip it at the bud are we condemning anybody 
Do we love them? Do we want them to go to heaven? Do we want them to go to hell? So what are we doing about it? The only way you can do something about it is if you know yourself. If you call yourself the right name where you go to somebody and tell them the wrong name they are calling themselves and they see the confidence in which you carry yourself, the confidence in which you know who you are in Christ, guess what? That's attractive to them. And that's the way we are going to win this battle. Because again, the Bible says sin will keep abounding. Sin, will not, it's not going to get better. If anybody tells you it's going to get better, they are lying to you. The Bible says, in the last days, perilous times will come. But when that perilous times come, we that God has saved, we that are living for the Lord, the grace of God in our life will abound so much, and that's how we can lift Christ up and let them be drawn to the light that is in us. The Bible says you are the light of the world. He says you are the salt of the earth. God has not changed his mind about who you are. But what are you calling yourself? Revelations chapter 1 verse 6. He says God has made us what? Say it, please say it. What has God made you? Let's just stop there. We don't even need to go too further. Do you see yourself as a king? And you see yourself as a priest. That alone, that's a whole message. What it means to be a king and what it means to be a priest. The role of a priesthood, we are neglecting it. A priest goes before the Lord. A priest stands before the Lord on behalf of people. Consecrates himself on, to just be before the face of the Lord on behalf of the people. We don't even stand for our family, talk more of our, of our nation. That right there. Kings and priests. Kings know what they do. They execute things. They, in the spirit realm, as a king, you make laws. When you make a law as a king, nobody comes there to disobey that law. You say what it is you want. You put it down and that's what it is. How do we do that when we don't even know who we are? How do you do that when you don't even, we don't know who we are, Christians? We are, we are confused. He has made us kings. He has made us priests. Priests. You are not ordinary. You are extraordinary. You are not natural. You are supernatural. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, I'm going to get to Gideon. We'll get there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says, He has raised us up together, all of us. Once you made Jesus your Lord, He's raised all of us up together. And He says in Ephesians 1, 20 to 21, He says, He has raised us with Him. And where Jesus is sitting is where we are sitting. And where is that? In verse 21 of Ephesians 1, He says, Far above. Far above, not just above. But so, so far, further, far, far, far above what? All principality and power. Far above all of them. Principality, power, mind, dominion, and name. Every name that is named. And not just now, it's forever. 
That's who we are. That's who we are. We might be in this world now. We might be sitting right here, but really where you are sitting is not here. But you wouldn't have that eyes for us to know that right now you are not sitting here in the spirit. You are sitting with Christ far above. And so when that weakness comes, you don't call yourself weak. You don't label yourself according to the flesh. You label yourself according to the spirit. So even if your body is weak, the Bible says, let the weak say. Let the poor say. Begin to see yourself in the spirit. And so, if I'm on the 60th floor in a building, and a dog is barking on the ground floor, am I going to be stressed about that? Am I going to be stressed that I'm on the 60th floor, far above that dog, and the dog is yapping and yelling and jumping up and down the ground floor? I don't even, I just look at and go back to what I'm doing. So let the enemy yap, let the enemy scream, let the enemy turn his head upside down. You are on the 60th floor in the spirit. You are not on the same level with him. You see what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm not yet, you know, we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of it, but it's time for us to really, because the thing is, there are those, I mean, look at where they just came from, Uganda, six weeks. There are those, people need us. The world is hungry for the Lord. People are hungry for God. And it's time for us to quickly grow up, become mature sons. The Bible says the earth is yearning. You know what it is to yearn? It's yearning seriously. For the manifestation of the children, the sons, not the children, not the, the, the babies. We can't be here talking about offense. We can't be here talking about, oh, she gossip, she's gossiping about me. We cannot be here talking about foolish things. You're on the 60th floor. You're talking, you brought yourself down to the level of the dog. How, how do we do that? And, but you know what? This, this flesh wants to be satisfied. And so if your witness is gossiping, when they call you, when that person calls you, that makes you talk and lie and gossip, don't, don't pick up the phone. If you find yourself all the time, oh God, here I go again, what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? There's so much more to you. That's what I'm finding out. I'm str- I didn't know I was this strong. There is so much more to you than you know. Sometimes God will keep piling it on and you think you will die, you won't die. You will not die. Because remember the Bible says he knew you before. He knew you before, before. So he knew how he constructed you. He knew how much you can carry. He knew how to stretch you. And he's watching to make sure you don't die. So let the pressure come. Don't call yourself stressed. Don't call yourself overwhelmed. Don't go into that self-pity. That's what the enemy wants. You can take a whole lot more than you're strong. Believe me, you're stronger than you know. And the reason God is doing that, have you seen that rubber band? He will stretch you so you can have more capacity. So that you can take more. So he can use you more. 
And so when he's stretching us, we complain and complain and complain. Me included. And he's saying, I'm not going to kill you. Just bear with me. There's so much more. There's so much more. Nobody really knows you. That's just the truth. Sometimes your husband don't know you like nobody knows you. Your husband, they don't know you. Your husband doesn't know you. Your wife doesn't know you. You don't know you. Let the truth be told. You don't even, you are as confused about who you are than anything else. The only one who knows you is God. And if you put your life in his hands, he will allow things to come, not because he wants to break you or destroy you, because he knows you more than you know yourself. And God will use unlikely. Don't ever count yourself out. Don't ever count yourself, oh, so because I'm this, no, God is going to use Sister Colleen because she's better, you know. Oh, God is going to use brother this because, and then you count yourself out. And that's what Gideon, we're going to get to that. That's what Gideon did. So, oh, me, warrior, first of all, angel, you're you so, let me remind you. My tribe is the least, is the most hated tribe. And out of that whole tribe, me, I'm the youngest and the smallest. And so we give God reasons. We justify why we should remain where we are. And believe me, they are facts. It's not like it's not, it's not fact. But like I always say here, the facts are not the truth. The fact may be that really you can't talk. The fact may be that really you're very shy. But what if God says you are the one I have picked and I have selected to be a preacher? You're going to say like Moses, Lord, you see, I can't talk. I'm a stammerer. But God used him to lead four million people out. A stammerer. God said, you're going, even if I have to get your brother to speak for you, you are the one I've picked. David. Nobody thought that David, that smelly one in the, in the, in the sheep pen, Bring his brothers, the ones that are the army, they the, are the all buff. But God said, no, that's not, I didn't pick, pick any of this. And the, and the prophet said, Samuel said, well, nobody's going to even sit down. We're all going to be standing until the 16-year-old boy that nobody thought about comes in. So what have you told God? What excuses have you told God from what he's told you to do? Because believe me, there will be a lot of excuses. There are a lot of things you can tell yourself. A lot of things. And you will, Satan will tell you, yes. Yes. You are a woman. You can't preach. You have an accent. Who is going to listen to you? You all don't laugh. <laughs> and God will use situations too. God will use situations. That's why sometimes, you know, I, I can't wait to get to heaven to understand some things. But, you know, though, sometimes God actually lets you down the road to see what he was doing. Because when you are in, when you are in the midst of it, you shake your fist at God. And then five years down the road, you are back there begging him for forgiveness. <laughs> because now you can see clearly what he was doing. Amen. And so now we are going to step into the text 
And what I really want to talk about today, we may not finish today, but that's fine. You all want to continue next week if I don't finish today, right? All right. So we're going to talk about Gideon. Before I go into Gideon, let's t- let me tell you a little bit about the, the, the story, the, the circumstances surrounding Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, 7, and part of 8 is where you find Gideon. At the time we get, we get to hear about Gideon, the Israelites were under severe oppression, severe oppression from the Midianites and the Amalekites. At this time, the Bible says in chapter 6, verse 1 of Judges, it says the Israelites did what was evil in the eyes of God. I'm not in verse 6 just yet. If you can pick up verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 for me, please. If you can do that real quick. If not, I'll keep going. The Bible says, and the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And what God was talking about as evil was sin. Because what the Israelites always did in the judges actually happened ten times. And I kind of want to lay this little foundation so that when I get into Gideon, you can understand where he was coming from. The Israelites, ten times in the book of Judges, they'll be doing well, and then they will forget God. And then they will start, and this is after they went into Canaan. They'll be doing well, and God will tell them, don't worship the gods, don't take on the habits, don't do the things that they are doing there. They will start really good, And then before you know it, they are worshipping the gods of the land. They are doing all the things God told them to do. And that's what God called evil. Sin, God calls evil. God didn't call it weakness. God didn't call it a mistake. God said it is evil. And so as a believer who lives in sin or who commits sin and it doesn't move you, it is evil in the eyes of God. And so God will allow them, when they start doing evil, God will allow oppression to come. And at this time, when we step into Judges chapter 6, that's what was going on. Because they had gone after all the gods. Like we do. I mean, then they had gods that were carved. But you know money can be a god, right? You know your vocation can be a god, right? Leisure, comfort can be a god too. And so for seven years, the Midianites and the Amalekites banded together. And the Bible said they were so numerous, they were like a swarm of locusts. They were that many. And they would come, just swoop on them, and they were brutal. They would kill the young women, the children, destroy their cattle, their crops. And they had a very bad habit of coming in. Just as they were about to harvest their crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites would come in and they would destroy all the crops, destroyed everything to the point the Israelites were hiding in caves and in rocks. So this is how we now, that's how we get to Gideon. So I'm going to pick up the story now in, Gide, uh, in, in Judges chapter 6, verse 6 and then 11 to 15. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now the angel of the Lord, and again, when you see angel, remember I told you the last time, anywhere you're reading, and you see that 
a capital A instead of a small A, that's actually God himself. So God himself came and sat under the terebinth tree which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press. Remember, wheat is supposed to be threshed where? The threshing floor. And grapes are supposed to be pressed where? In the wine press. But he had it switched. So here is Gideon. Got wheat. Somehow he was able to get a harvest. And so he went into hiding. So that he can, his, uh, his crop will be saved. Not stolen by the Midianites and the Amalekites. But instead of going to the threshing floor. Guess where he was? He was in the wine press. When you are not doing the will of God, when you are supposed to be in the threshing floor, guess where the enemy puts you? In the wrong place. Okay? I wanted to bring that out as we go along. Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Thank God, God doesn't leave you when you miss your road. Thank God, God doesn't abandon us when we miss his call and purpose for our lives. Even in the wine press, where he was threshing wheat, where he wasn't supposed to be, the Lord was still there with him. Isn't that the faithfulness and the goodness of God? And God came to him, and God called him what he wasn't calling himself. Remember, the Bible says here, he was afraid of the Midianites because of fear. That's why he was hiding. Because of fear and because he didn't want his crop to be taken. So when the angel called him a mighty man of valor, Gideon said to him in verse 13, Oh my Lord. If the Lord is with us, but the good thing is he had a heart for the people. God called him and said, you are a mighty man of valor and the Lord is with you. But when he responded, you see why God chooses, why, that's why you don't know why God chooses some certain people. We don't know. When I was reading about uh, Joseph, I'm doing, I'm doing studies on the different characters in the Bible. Joseph do you know, even in the midst of the suffering and the pain, Potiphar's wife just accused him. Here he is in prison. The Bible says that Joseph was looking at the countenance of the other prisoners. He cared about them and didn't worry about himself that much. That's a, that's, I'm finding out that's a running theme about people that God used. They might seem unlikely, but they have a heart for people. And so here you see Gideon, God called him mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. If it's me, I'm like, if he's with me, me, you know, me. But he didn't do that. He said, if the Lord is with us. So he was thinking globally, not selfishly, not individually. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt 
But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Isn't that what we do? We complain, but we forget to repent for what we've done. We are so quick to tell God, you know, when we're having that pity party, or when we're complaining, when we're having a session, sort of praying, we're complaining, and we think God owes us. God doesn't owe any man anything. You are not doing God a favor by serving him. If you don't follow your purpose, if you don't do what God has called you to do, God's purposes on earth will be fulfilled with you or without you. So you are actually doing yourself a favor because at the end of your life, the crowns and the reward you are going to get, whether you get it or not, doesn't mean anything to God. So everything you do here on earth is for your own good. And so when you go to God and you're complaining, and you're complaining, you're having that self-pity, oh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. We don't go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry for even complaining. The fact that you even saved me, who am I? The fact that you looked at me and out of everybody in this world, you picked me out of that hundred million cells. That was shot into my mom. It was me you picked. God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Think about that first the next time you want to complain. You made it. You made it. The others were flushed down the toilet. You made it. He was complaining. And then, you see, God didn't even answer him. This God, I'm telling you, sometimes, you know, if you have a relationship with God, you can understand how this is going on. You've just told him everything, and you're expecting him to just pat you on the back. You've just cried. You've used up a whole box of tissues. You've just really had a good pity party. And you're just expecting God to say, okay, I'm going to send Sister Grace to send you a text to let you know. And then somebody calls me and says, Pastor Angela, I need you to pray for me. Pastor Angela, I need you in the church. I need deliverance. And you're saying, God... I thought, I'm the one that needs deliverance right now. <laughs> That's just how God works. God will not sit down with you to have pity party. He just will not. So clean your face and do what he's called you to do. And that's what happens here. And he's just complained, did the Lord not bring us out from, he, God has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might. Just go in this might of yours. God completely disregarded everything. Because again, God saw who he was. God refused to come down to his level to start calling him what he was calling himself. God said, go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? When did God send him? We never saw anywhere God talked to Gideon. But remember before, 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 before I knew you. Before you were formed, I knew you. Before you were created in your mother's womb, I knew you. That's what God was talking about here. When God was saying, have I not sent you? God was talking about what he spoke into Gideon's life before Gideon was created. And thank God. He responded in a, in, in a way, let's go see what he, no, he didn't, this is not where he responded well. So Gideon said to him, to the Lord in verse 15, he says, Oh my Lord, how can I go save Israel? 
How can you call me, me? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my house. So again, he's giving excuses why he cannot be the one that God can use. He's giving himself reasons. Meanwhile, God that says, have I not sent you? God knows what he was talking about. God knew what he wanted from him. So today, I'm going to end here today. Next week, we're going to talk about the different things where you are in the threshing, in the wine press, where you're supposed to be in the threshing floor. What happens to us when we do that? We're going to look about that lot next week, and then we're also going to look at how God can do so much with so little. God can do so much with so little. Even if you see yourself as little, even if the resources you have is little, if you put it in the hand of God, you'll be surprised what God can do. How God with one man and 300 people, that's all God used to. Remember God said the Midianites and the, and the, the Amalekites were like a swarm of locusts. Swarm of locusts. But God used 300 men to destroy a swarm of locusts. So if you can only give God the little you have. Some saying, I don't know, we say little becomes much when you put it in the master's hand. So today, I don't know what, what you've been calling yourself. I don't know what situations have made you start naming yourself what God did not name you. God says you are strong. Don't call yourself weak. No matter how weak you feel. God says you are healed. Don't call yourself sick. Don't put any disease on yourself. Don't give yourself a name that's not yours. God says you are an overcomer. Don't say you are under the situation. No matter how much debt you are in, don't call yourself a, de- a debtor. Don't call yourself somebody who is in lack. Call yourself prosperous. Call yourself one with abundance. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord God. Stand to your feet this morning. I'm going to have the prayer partners come. I want the musicians, please, to come back up. Prayer partners, please come. If you're sick in the body, if you've been calling yourself sick, this is the time to come and exchange that coat of sickness. If you've been calling yourself weak, come back out here and let's exchange. Let's let's have an exchange take place this morning. Call yourself today what God calls you. Today, remove the label you've been calling yourself. And begin to call yourself what God calls you. And as the musicians just play quietly, I want you to start thinking, God, what have I been calling myself lately? What name have I been giving to myself? What name have I given my children? What name have I given my family? They tell you your child has this condition and you've labeled your child as somebody who has ADHD, as somebody who has autism. You have labeled your child what God did not label your child. The Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from God. 
So if you're here this morning, you've labored yourself, or you've labored your child, or you've labored your finances, or you've labored your, your, your family, any name that is not their name, you need to come this morning and have our prayer partners pray for you. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, ya bashe terebo kendere ya bakonderi 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 